I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, Jenna and I talk about discerning God's calling and especially what to do when we feel like we might be hiding from it. one ducks <laughs> that's all <laughs> next short and sweet <laughs> hello hi everyone we are here with oh shoot i forgot the episode 38 38 dang and we got two babies in studio today so Dos. pray for us retrospectively <laughs> yeah um, that they stay quiet and retrospective calm. retroactively Adelaide's over here playing with her rosary, and Hannah is just chilling. Staring at you guys. Hi. Um, you want to do peak pit plug? Sure. My peak of the week was getting to walk around the harbor with my family. Um, it was just nice and calming and relaxing, and I feel like I haven't had very many moments in my days the past couple of months of just, like, relaxing and being present. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to Hawaii, which was great. Hawaii was amazing. Um... But just coming back, we came back to kind of a crazy mess. Um, so that was my peak. And we saw like eight seals all hanging out in one circle. And I think they were, I don't know, they were having a meeting and then they <laughs> left when they, we saw them. It was crazy. Anyways, my um, hit was, is, that my husband just left for the Philippines. So by the time this comes out, he'll still be in the Philippines. Dang. Um, so pray for him for safe travels and for me and Adelaide as we take on the week, <laughs> just the two of us. Um, and then my plug is I am reading the Screw Tape Letters, and I know I'm late to the game. I haven't read the book, <laughs> but it's good. It's really, really good. So if you haven't read it, get it's on it. It's a pretty easy read, too. Mm-hmm. It's not very long. No. Um, let's see. Peak. Um, yeah, I just feel good. I'm doing good. Life is good. Uh, not for any particular reason, but yeah, things have just been good. Pit, um, well, Pit, uh, Lent has started, and I, I, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, I love Lent, you know, it's just like Lent is Lent, you know, it's a time of, you know, preparation. I appreciate Lent, I like but Lent. I feel like, I don't know, I was telling someone this earlier today, I don't know if it's like this psychological approach I have to Lent, but I notice irritating things and little sacrifices and sufferings in my life more during Lent Mm -hmm. than I do other times of the year, or if it just happens more often during Lent. I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation there, if I just notice it more or it really happens more, but I feel like it's already been happening. Um, And so I'm really like having to kind of just make sure that I'm being charitable and um, not let it affect me and drive me away from, you know, how I want this Lent to transform my life so and my heart and so my plug i don't know i don't really have a plug um i was watching brain games on netflix last night and it's a cool <laughs> show because it like tr- t- teaches you all about how like the tricks our brain plays on us so yeah cool watch that i guess <laughs> nice. it's really fun because you get to participate they don't just teach you about it but they'll like run you through little things on the screen like, oh. stare at this X and then, like, see what happens, you know? And they'll explain why your brain does that. It's oh. Just, yeah, it's, okay, it's kind of cool. cool. So, 
Anyways. That sounds cool. Um, so today we are talking about hiding from God's call. Um, and there's a difference between, so there's a difference between knowing God's call and hiding from it versus not knowing what God is calling you to and having to, to discern it. Yeah. There's, that's, there's like a very distinct difference between those two. And we have a discernment episode, episode, uh, four or five. Four or five. I think um, it's five. I think you had said it was five. Yeah. I think you were talking to somebody and said that. Um, so go back if you want to listen on about discernment of what God's call is for your life or for specific things and how to go about that. Um, but today we're just specifically talking about when you know what God is calling you to and hiding from it mm-hmm. and the different reasons why we may hide from it. Um, and so we're diving into that today and then how to kind of combat that. Really. Yeah. And I think it's important caveat too, that if you're one of those people who's like, I just have to, I just have to discern it. I just have to discern it with like, you know, what kind of yogurt to eat or whatever, like, like everything. It's kind of the popular Catholic thing to do is just, Oh, I'm discerning right now. And I heard a priest say, um, ever since discernment has become popular in the Catholic world, no one has made a single decision. And so I think discernment can sometimes be a veil for hiding from God's call. Like we know, but it's not the answer that we like. So we'll just say, oh, I'm still discerning. I'm still discerning. I'm still praying about it. I'm still yeah. thinking about it. And, you know, when you start to feel that tug, that pull, you got to lean into that. You know, that's, you know, we can't just let the phone ring and ring and ring and never pick it up and mm-hmm. act like, oh, I'm still waiting for a phone call. You know, it's like, no, like it's ringing. You just, you just don't want that call. So, you know, I think we have preconceived notions about what that might look like and God, you know, thinking that we might know better what we're suited for. And so I think it's an important thing to, to remember. They're like in unison moaning right now because they're both tired. Um, so two specific and very obvious um, Bible stories that pop out on this topic would obviously be Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, you know, go and be dumb and they eat of the fruit and they're not told or they're told not to. And then what they immediately do after that, when they hear God walking through the garden, is hide. Um, And so we tend to hide in fear of God's call, Um, especially Jonah and the whale. There's Mm -hmm. that story where Jonah has a very clear calling from God. God tells him to go and to go out and speak um, to these people. And Jonah immediately goes and hops on a ship and tries to go in the opposite direction. And God redirects him, takes him by a whale, and then it's all figured out after that. But, um, we oftentimes get these very, very clear callings and very clear, um, discernment of what God's will is, and we hide. And we hide in fear. There's a couple different, um, reasons why. The first one is very obvious, fear. There is, uh, false humility, being too self-centered, um, shame, doubt, acting over busy it's mm. just like we um oh i'm just i there's just too much and lord not right now i can't mm-hmm. do this right now um laziness or comparing ourselves and so we're going to dive into each of these a little bit and kind of see how each one of these plays a role and how we hide from god um but with adam and eve and jonah what happened with them was their fear of what God was calling them to snowballed in their life. So with Adam and Eve, the whisper that Satan, you know, said to them Mm -hmm. and lied in their ear and said, did he really want you? Does he really want that for you? 
um, snowballed to a large reality in their life that created sin and death. And with Jonah, he was swallowed by a whale. <laughs> so, like, very large reality that was very present in their life. And this happens to us. These fears, these, um, these shame, they all kind of snowball if we allow them to into large realities in our life. So, the first one I want to kind of attack is fear. Um, we're afraid of that call and that the call is too big, um, that it's too much for us, or it's too bold. And when God calls us to something, it's oftentimes going to change us and change the reality of our life, of what we're doing. Um, and it's going to change sometimes small things and large things. And so we have that fear of the unknown, the fear of what that's going to look like because we don't have a clear picture of what those things are going to look like in our life. Um, and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. We talked about in, in one of our episodes when we did that series on the five transcendental, transcendental desires that hate is not the the worst opposing um, uh, action of love because it's still an action. It's still an exercise of our free will, whereas fear is what paralyzes us. Like that doubt completely robs us of the opportunity to even act out of love. Mm-hmm. And God, God says, you know, in Revelation 3.16... Um, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth, you know? So I think like just remembering like that, whatever those things are that paralyze you from making decisions, oftentimes it's fear, doubt, one of those other things Jenna listed that we're going to talk about. But I think they all stem from fear Mm -hmm. or they all stem from this kind of seed of doubt that's planted by ourselves because we don't think we're good enough, by the devil, by people in our life who don't support us, uh, or by looking at people who we think are better or more suited. And we just turn that into all these different um, ways that kind of paralyze us and keep us afraid. (laughs) The babies were like, are they going to derail us? (laughs) The fear of the unknown. Um, And I like like that you said paralyze and kind of talked about paralyzing because that is really, in fact, what fear does, especially when we receive these calls from the Lord or a call from the Lord. Um, I don't know how many times in my life I have been too scared. I think especially the big one for me was when God finally called me to youth ministry. I finally gotten settled at St. Timothy's. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I got this. Assistant youth minister, not too much responsibility. (laughs) It's good. And then the Lord was like, just kidding. No, you're going to go over here. And you're going to go to Solano and that's where you're going to be. And, um, that terrified me and it fro it made me freeze, mm-hmm. but I had frozen so many times in my life to what God was calling me to that. I was so sick of it that I just leaned into it. Mm-hmm. And that is truly what you said earlier. Um, leaning into that, leaning into the fear and acknowledging like the Lord has it. And Isaiah 41 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so knowing that despite our fear, our God will strengthen us and give us the courage to move forward um, and that he will be guiding us. Yeah, I think I shared, this was in that Words of Wisdom episode that I did. One of the Words of Wisdom uh, from the article I was reading was this story of a an old woman who swam up to the side of a pool where this girl was trying to jump in and she was scared. Uh, and the woman was like, come on, jump in. The water's fine. She's like, I'm afraid. And she said, well, be afraid and then do it anyway. You know, so it 
to acknowledge, like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this. And not let it paralyze you, but, like, turn it into action. Like, I'm, I'm going to... It's not that I have to overcome this fear, but I have to recognize that this is preventing me from doing anything. You know? And that's not a... <laughs> it's not a response to a call. So then the next um, two, I guess, reasons why we would hide is pride and false humility. And so pride, thinking that we're too good for the calling that God is giving us, and false humility, um, which basically is is like self-deprecation almost of um, saying you're not good enough mm. for the call that God is um calling you to and so basically you're saying no 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 no, lord i know better Mm -hmm. in both in both senses of pride and of of false humility you're saying no i know that i'm too good for this you're actually wrong in the call that you're giving me i want something better or oh lord i'm not good enough for this Mm -hmm. and so i'm not gonna do it um those two tend to keep us from moving forward and listening to god's call and, and responding to his call yeah, I think, like, this can also come in the form of, like, I know people do this when when um, they really want to do something, but they don't know how to tell someone that they want to be asked to do it. So they'll say stuff like, well, I never get asked to do that. It's probably because I'm really terrible yes. at it. So someone will be like, oh, no, like, you're so good. We should totally, like, have you do that. And, yeah, and then, like, kind of give you the pity part of it, you know. And so there's false humility is pride. It's not real humility. Like, it's just you using you know, other people's emotions or pity mm-hmm. almost to manipulate them into giving you what you want. Um, so it's kind of an even more sinister version of pride. Pride at least is like on its sleeve, you know, it's not good. It's considered the root of all sins, but, um, it's still like twisting that and to try and turn it into something good, uh, can be very dangerous. And so yeah. I think just being aware, you know, I, I, I just, I'm thinking of my friend Jack, um, who really inspires me in just the way that he he talks about, like, just responding to to just this reality that we are Christians. And he's new to the faith. He's converting. He's becoming um, a Catholic on Easter Vigil this year. And he talks all the time about, like, you know, like, it's crazy what we believe. Like, we believe that Jesus is God and that he died and rose from the dead, rose other people from the dead. And there's a whole book about it telling you how to live your life and have joy and Christians don't do that. Like they don't respond to it. Like it's just, it's baffles him. It's just like, have you read this? Do you believe this? Then like, why is this not everything in your life? Like he, and, and I, I hear him say that and I'm like, yeah, like this is a reality that's like, God has done so much. Who am I talking about pride? Who am I to just think like, well, you know, I've been on this earth 31 years and I, I probably know a little bit better than the person who made like the universe, you know, and like a hundred billion stars and like a vastness that will never be able to travel or even measure, you know, in, yeah. in our existence or maybe even in the, the highest form of technology we ever have. A God who can form that type of a universe in an instant with his hands and I'm sitting here saying like, no, I think I know myself better. And instead of responding to that reality, like this happened, like how is, how is it not so easy to just be like, yeah, like I trust, of course I trust, you know? Mm -hmm. And he says stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, like totally like that just makes perfect sense, you know? But I think we, we get in our own heads a lot and we, um, we look too horizontally instead of vertically and we just, you know, I know comparison is later, but we, you know, I think pride is part of that and just trying to 
compete or keep up appearances or achieve more than the person next to us. Um, and that will get us to the place where, you know, we really belong. That will be the calling that we're looking for because Mm I, I fought and I worked really hard for this. Uh, and so that must be what God wants me to do. It's like, no, any person could probably work really hard and get, you know, most jobs done, you know, like person, if an average person worked hard enough and learned what they needed to know, spent the time being disciplined, they could probably do any job that they wanted to. It's more of a matter of, am I trusting that the person who gave me the natural gifts and talents that I have and that knows what's going to bring me joy is going to lead me in that direction? Mm -hmm. Or am I just willing to think that I know better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and true humility is recognizing that we have weaknesses and we have things that we are good at and things that we are bad at. And within those um, strengths and those weaknesses, responding to the call that God is giving us and just saying, yes, Lord. Um, So that's pride and false humility. And then the next one that I wanted to mention was being self-centered. Um, and just basically that's just focusing on what you would rather have. I guess it's kind of similar to pride, but focusing on what you want rather than what God wants for you mm-hmm. and what his calling is for you. And so that's, that's more so of, um, letting God convert your heart a little bit more yeah. and, and trusting in him and, um, stop looking at yourself and start looking up more. Yeah. Well, and pride too, I think is more along the lines of this is my plan. And this is what I believe because of my infinite knowledge that God wants from me because it's what I want. Being self-centered is more, I don't care what God wants. You know, this, this, I don't think I would be happy with that. I'm not even going to entertain the idea. Um, and so I'm just going to do what I want. There's a slight difference there. I mean, self-centeredness was rooted in pride, Mm -hmm. but I think they kind of manifest in a couple different ways. Yeah, they can. Um, and then shame and doubt. And so with shame, especially, um, whether it's shame from a past that you have or shame from something that you've done for a failure that you've done, um, with shame, especially we tend to sit in that and we don't move because we just think like, Lord, look at me. I'm just too ugly. I'm too gross. Mm -hmm. I'm too whatever. Um, and we don't truly believe that God can work through those brokenness and our through our brokenness, sorry, and um, use those weaknesses and use those um, moments in our life that maybe something has happened or we've failed for his glory and for his goodness. Yeah. I mean, you might be listening to this thinking like, you know, something along those lines and just, I want you to hear like, you're good enough. And not only are you good enough, you are the best person in the entire universe to fulfill the thing that God has in store for you. And it is something that no one in the universe can do better than you. Mm -hmm. You are the only person good enough for that mission. Mm -hmm. And like if you're feeling called in a certain direction and having that kind of self-doubt, like the one marker, it's Lent right now. So the one marker that we all are reminded of when we get ashes is we look around and we're all the same. We are all sinners. Like nobody is good enough for their calling and yet they are found good enough in Christ. And so he calls them uniquely to do the things that they individually can do that anyone else wouldn't be able to do with their gifts and talents. And so just to, I want you to hear that if you're listening to this and you're a person who tends to, to have a lot of doubt in yourself or be ashamed of kind of the ways that you've maybe fallen in the past or your shortcomings to recognize like something that my spiritual director has said to me that I may have shared before is God didn't call, come to save you from those things. He came to save you through those things. Mm-hmm. And to look at all the ways that you feel not good enough and doubtful and to lean into them and say, okay, why do I feel this way? Do other people feel this way? 
and how might God be using these things that have happened to me or that I've done in my life to serve others? And it's not about just ignoring where I've come from um, and ignoring the mistakes I've made, but recognizing I'm a sinner and how every time I make a mistake, I'm reminded that I need a savior and to lean into that more and to not let shame and doubt be this ugly thing, but to recognize like, yeah, we all feel guilt for things that we do that aren't in line with being the people we were created to be the best versions of ourselves. And so seeing that not as a, an opportunity to like verbally, you know, and mentally abuse ourselves, but as an opportunity to be reminded, I need Jesus, you know, I need Jesus. And, and Jesus is the one who knows better than I do what's going to bring me the ultimate joy in my own individual life. Um, we think about calling too collectively sometimes, I think. Like, God has a calling for everyone. No, God has a calling for you specifically. Mm-hmm. And your individual gifts, everything that you've done in your life, good and bad, will lead to this moment and it will, or lead to this calling. And it will uh, allow you, if you lean into it, if you trust God, to see how he's been preparing you. And how he allowed certain things and mistakes to happen in your life. To teach you lessons or to make you make, or allow you to make certain decisions and he use them or permits them to train you or prepare you for this calling. Yeah. Um, second Corinthians twelve ten says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so God uses our weaknesses, just like you said, through our weaknesses, um, his glory can be revealed. And so do not let your shame of whatever has happened in your life um, keep you back, hold you back. From responding to God's call and do not doubt his call because that was the second part of the shame is that we then begin to doubt that God is actually calling us to something specific and that it is unique to us um, and this like you said not not just like a general calling for all of us but that God has a unique call for all of us and so or for you specifically sorry mm-hmm. um, do not doubt that um, that comes from our lack of trust in God and so just Pray and ask God, like, why am I not trusting this? Why am I not trusting you? Why can't I trust that your plan is good for me and that it will bring joy and that it will make me whole? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, that verse you shared, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. And those two things, weakness and strength, are sometimes distractions from the calling, you know? Yeah. Like, we think we're too strong, we're too proud, I know what I'm doing, or I'm too weak, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, we'll use every excuse that we can find to run away sometimes. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned this one earlier, the too busy one. So the, I have too much on my plate, Lord. Um, you're not actually really calling me this right now. I think it's probably down the line that you're actually calling me to this. So I'm just going to put it on the shelf with all the other things (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going to wait. Um, but that, the reality is that if God is going to call you to something, he's going to make room in your life for it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that means that Something is going to have to um, be removed from your life so that you can make room for this calling or he's going to remove that thing from your life so that you have room for that calling or he's just going to make your days seem longer or something. <laughs> like it's, He's going to find the room um, and he's going to not, it's not going to be overwhelming. Yeah. That's the thing. Like our God is not a God of 
making us feel overwhelmed and like we're drowning. Um, John says, peace I leave you, peace, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When God gives us something, when Christ offers us something, it's not ever going to bring us um, fear or pain or being overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and anxiety. He's always going to offer us peace. And yeah, along the way, we're going to feel anxious and along the way, we're going to be afraid. Um, But those are all natural and human instincts that kind of make us run in fear and hide Mm -hmm. and we just have to like acknowledge okay i'm i'm anxious right now lord give me peace yeah and people i think will this i think falls into the pride category too is people will give excuses and say like oh i really feel like god is calling me to that but i definitely want to do this first i want to go to college first i want to get this job first i want to date for a little bit just to make sure it's like if you're 100 percent sure Go investigate that. And if it's not for you, you can leave. You know, it's like no no vocation, no calling. Are you immediately asked to sign in blood on the dotted line? There's a discern, an intentional discernment process to every single vocation. And, you know, the primary vocations, obviously, yes. You know, like marriage, priesthood, religious life, um, single life, we're not really good at discerning. Um, but there are a lot of diff- really good ways of intentionally discerning are we supposed to be in those states? You know, is that something that God is calling us to? But even secondary vocations, like the interview process of a job is a period of discernment where you get to ask questions. You don't have to give an answer right away. Like you have time. And so just going, just showing up and saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to see if this is even an opportunity that I would want to pursue or an opportunity that's even open and available to me. Um, you know, go back and listen to that discernment episode, um, episode five, because we talk about the four questions you have to ask yourself. Um, you know, when, when you're going to make a decision, you know, is it, um, is it open or is it closed? Is it good or is it bad? Is it wise or is it unwise? And is it, do I want it or do I not want it? Um, and kind of describing exactly what those questions mean. Mm -hmm. Um, but going and just, you know, allowing yourself to step out of your busyness for a second and, and, and ask yourself, am I really that busy? Like is if I don't do the things that are on my schedule today, will anybody die? Like, you know, will the world implode? Probably not. You know, there may be things that you have to do, you know, for your job or you'll get fired. But like, hopefully you're managing your deadlines in such a way that like, you're not waiting till the last minute, you know, on a lot of this stuff. So just kind of recognizing like, there's not this sense of imminent doom. Mm -hmm. If I if I have all this stuff to do, you know, I live my life, you know, by my to do list a lot of the times. But one of my, my the reason I have a to do list is so that when I am in work mode, I know how to make that time as efficient as possible. And when I'm not in work mode, I put that away, you know, and so I can just be present to people and I can, you know, allow myself to, to enter in and, and not be this person that's obsessed with their busy schedule. Um, even on days where I have a lot to do, my prayer isn't, God, help me to get everything done today. My prayer most often is, God, I need you to bend time today so that everything that I uh, absolutely need to get done today will get done, but so that I won't be in a hurry and that I'll be present to the people that I need to be present to. That's normally my prayer. And so it's it's recognizing busyness isn't a matter of the stuff that you have to do. It's a matter of your priorities. Mm. And if you make work your priority, then you're always going to be busy with work. Mm-hmm. And if you make, you know, trying to keep up appearances with a, a you know, and, and having it all together your priority, you're always going to be busy doing all these little things to save face. Um, and so recognizing, like, you will never have enough time to do 
the infinite amount of things that you could possibly do. Um, it involves choice and intention. Um, and it's the same thing with discernment. You have to be intentional about it and you have to choose. Yeah. And so you have to recognize, am I going to make discernment or this possible vocation a priority in my life? Um, you can put it off and put it off and put it off. Um, but I remember at a time in Eric and I's marriage, probably four or five years ago, we were talking about a lot of different things that could happen, um, a lot of different things that we might want to do. And we'd been talking and talking and talking about it. And I looked at her and I was like, babe, I don't want to have this conversation a year from now and, rec and realize like we didn't just live our life, you know, that we spent so much time just talking about making decisions and doing things instead of actually doing them. And so we really just were like, all right, like, let's just make a decision. Like, let's just do pursue these things, see if they're open and available, if they work out. And if not, we'll look at the other ones again. And it just from that point forward, it wasn't this like, let's hash it out. Let's hash it out. It's like, what do we need to do? you know, to get to where we want to be. Mm -hmm. 100% yes. So, the last one is comparing. Um, the, the will of God for other people is not going to be the same as us, as the one he's calling us to. And comparison is the thief of joy. So, I think we can oftentimes get stuck in, well, how is this person responding to God's call? Okay, I'll do it this way. Mm. How is this person doing this? And I think I'm being called to that too. And so I'm going to do it like this. And not recognizing that we are unique. And that when God calls us to our unique calling, how we go about that is not going to be the same. Yeah. And it's going to be different. And we can't get stuck looking at what everybody else is doing, how they're responding to God's call, and trying to emulate that and do the same exact thing. But looking to Christ and looking to, okay... You are specifically calling you to this, and this door has opened, so I will go this way. Yeah. And I will go about it like this. Um, we just get stuck, and it, it can be very um, cyclical, mm -hmm. where we just kind of keep going through the motions, and we don't move forward at all. Yeah. Because we're constantly, oh, this, and then we have to backtrack because we didn't do it right. Yeah. Oh, it's this way. Oh, just kidding. And we backtrack, and we just have to recognize that we have a unique calling, um, and the way that we go about it is going to be unique to us. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're discerning, especially a primary vocation, a lot of people will tell you the same thing. You know, you got to pray. Um, you have to uh, go talk to people who are in that vocation and mm -hmm. see, you know, what they did and, and how it is for them. But then you just got to start diving into it. You need to start talking to seminaries or start going on intentional dates or something like that, you know, or really taking time to enjoy what it looks like to be single and to live a chase single life. Like, all those things you have to intentionally do. But if you're going into the detail of like, oh, how'd you do this? And they're like, well, I prayed a 54-day rosary novena, and then I met my husband. And then right. you're like, okay, like, I'm going to do that fix. exact same thing. Yes. And 54 days, and then the first person you see, you know, is Tad, the barista at Starbucks. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to marry Tad. You know, like, no it's just... No joke. <laughs> this happened the other day. I was telling somebody about Tony and I's, um, like, getting to know each other in first date story. Mm -hmm. And... They go, oh, so that's how that works. Okay, I'll have to do that. And it was like something stupid. Like we went this place and we went this place and then we did this. And he was like, oh, so if I did those three things. It's <laughs> like, no. 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 You get the conversation not. part and the, like you can do that anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, it's just, it was, yeah, it was funny. But we are precious in the eyes of our Lord. And so... Um, he created us all uniquely and we just need to stop comparing just in general in life. We yeah. compare ourselves to everybody so often and it's, um, almost unconscious at, at times where we don't recognize that we're doing it or realize that we're doing it. Um, 
especially in parenting. Like, yeah. man. I mean, if you feel like you're not good enough or you are constantly looking at other people, fast from social media for a week. Holy cow. And yeah. see how much happier you are. Just like, you don't have yeah. to delete your accounts, but just delete the apps from your phone, you know, and just don't, don't go on them and try and just, you know, fill something more fruitful with your time, you know, reading, pursuing, whatever it might be, spending time in intentional prayer, discerning what it is you're, you're thinking about. And I guarantee, I promise you, I will send you money if it doesn't work. I will guarantee that you will be happier, you know, not to say that social media is all bad, but we tend to fall into it in very bad patterns most of the time, unless we have a very intentional way in which we use it as a tool. Um, you know, this whole thing like, oh, I got to have it because my family, I don't see them very often and they got to know what's going on in my life. Call them. Yeah. Send them a letter. You do not need social media. It's easy. It's too, it's well, just easy and it's not intentional and you're not really yeah. you're not really spending time with your family or talking to them. No. You're just using it as an excuse not to actually call them and not to delete it because you know it's something that you need to do. So just like hammer down and just let yourself do it for a week. And if you like it, keep going. And if you don't, you know, like then maybe you have a problem. I don't know. <laughs> well, people also did not have any form of social media or contact or anything. Back, you know. Yeah, do we think people like, yeah, 50 years ago were miserable? It's just like, yeah, they weren't miserable. And they also did not have 400 friends or 700 friends that they needed to keep in contact with. Yeah. They had their small group of people that that was good enough. Like, we do not need to know the entire world. Yeah. It's unnecessary. And it's also, you can't. You can't. Yeah. It's just not possible. So, um... Our first step, truly, in all of these things is trusting the Lord and trusting the call that he is offering us and giving us and then stepping out in faith. Um, And the reality is we cannot hide from him. Like, to even attempt to hide behind any of these things, our our God just goes, really? (laughs) Like, for reals? You're really going to? Okay. Jeremiah says, can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. Our God sees everything. It's just like an utter joke (laughs) that we would even attempt or try. So, um, his call and his will for us will bring us everlasting joy. And so the first step is to step out. Um, and I love the, the story of the hemorrhaging woman, because when God called out in the crowd who touched me, um, when he healed her just by her touching his cloak, um, she realized that she could not escape. And so she, she spoke out and she said, mm-hmm. you know, it was I. Um, and we just need to recognize like God is calling us and he's going to heal us. And then we need to reach out and say, it was I, mm-hmm. like, Lord, you are calling me. Um, the second step would be to trust God's goodness for our plan in our lives. It's always going to bring us joy. Step three, um, is then the response. Here I am, Lord. Speak for your servant is listening. And then step four is acknowledge where your true hiding place is, and that is with our Lord. Mm. And hiding in his presence and in his goodness. Yeah. This reminds me of the call of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter six, he 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 has this vision of um, the angelic hosts in like the Holy of Holies in the temple, which was something that they believed at that time that if you were to be held, behold God in his glory in such a way, you would die, um, especially if you weren't worthy. And so he shouts out like, um, you know, have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm a man of unclean lips or something like that. And an angel, um, you know, in Jewish culture, if you were unclean and you touched anything else, it became unclean. Mm -hmm. The only thing that had the reversed effect was God or some kind of divine person. 
And so um, an angel takes a coal from the altar and touches his lips. And instead of the coal becoming unclean, Isaiah becomes clean. And then God asks, he says, who, who can I send um, to go, you know, and be a prophet to the nations, basically. And Isaiah steps forward at that point and says, um, here I am, I will go. Uh, he's considered the only prophet to possibly have volunteered um, because he's responding to this recognition that when he was willing to step out and acknowledge his own weakness, I'm a man of unclean lips, and then allow God's goodness um, to kind of be into his life, allow himself to be healed, um, and acknowledging like this is where I belong, like just like those steps that you said, mm -hmm. only then did he become like a great prophet, you know. Um, but it would have been very easy for him to say like, oh, I'm unclean. Anything I touch is going to be unclean. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not the right person for the job, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the beauty is uh, that our God is patient and he will just wait until we say yes and until we respond to him. Um, no matter where we hide, he will just continually wait for us. So, yeah. who is our saint? Well, we mentioned him already, but you probably don't recognize that this person is a saint, because he's never called a saint, but Saint Jonah. <laughs> um, it's one of my wife's favorite stories. Uh, I was talking to her about it the other day. Um but um, there's a lot of cool like name etymology in the book of Jonah. You probably all know the story, which we'll recount um, in a moment. But um, we do believe that Jonah, and historians believe that Jonah was a real person. He's not like, because of this whole, um, you know, being swallowed up by a giant fish, um, a lot of people think it's like a mythic folktale. But we do have enough historical evidence to believe that he was a real prophet. Now, whether that giant fish thing was, you know, an, an allegory or a legend attached to him, like many famous and influential people end up getting legends attached to them. You know, mm -hmm. think of Hercules. Um, we don't know that, obviously, uh, but there's no reason for us not to have the faith that God couldn't, you know, have allowed this yeah. to happen in his life. Or it could just be something to prefigure, you know, Jesus. And okay. so I saw a lot of whales in Hawaii and they, they easily could have <laughs> swallowed a human. They could have. Um so, um, we think that Jonah, his name might be, um, from the root word yana, which means, um, to mourn or more to complain, which is kind of significant because that's exactly what Jonah does when God calls him to minister to the Ninevites. Um, and it's interesting, his, he's called the son of Amitai and that means son of truth or son of my truth. Um, and so he's considered in this way, kind of a human prefigurement of Jesus in a sense. Um, and so... He was born in a place called Gath Hefer, which means wine press of the digging. And Gethsemane, where uh, Jesus had, um, you know, sweating uh, blood and was, you know, um, talking to God right before the crucifixion. Um, Gethsemane is the place of the wine press of the crushing or the place of the crushing. Um, and so um, that's it's interesting how similar the, those two things are. Um, and he came this town, uh, Gath Hefer, was a, an a nothing town in Galilee in northern Israel, kind of like Nazareth. Um, it's just like a backwater town. Um, and so, like I said, we do believe that he was a real person. Um, his birthplace, um, there's a lot of historical references in scripture to his birthplace that coincide with history. Um, so we know he lived and died in the 9th to 8th centuries before Jesus. Um, and he's actually referenced, he's one of the prophets referenced by Muhammad in the Quran. Um, in Islam. And so he's, he is uh, venerated in Islam as well. Um, his feast is September 21st. Um, and his tomb, um, this is the reason why a lot of people venerate him, um, because his tomb was known to be in Nineveh, um, where he went and ministered. And that town, until recent years, has existed, and it was called Mosul, Iraq. 
Um, and when ISIS took over um, in 2014, they looted and destroyed the city. And the remains, I think, are still there. Um, but that is, you know, considered the ancient region or the ancient city of Nineveh. Um, and so this, um, this story of Jonah, um, it took time, took place in a time where the Hebrews um, were rejecting God. They were kind of looking very proud at their own nation. It was the only one. We, they were the only people worthy of God's favor. Um, and yet they were, they were not acting in accord to that. And so um, Jonah is called by God to go uh, and pr- travel to this neighboring country of Assyria at the time. The Assyrian Empire was extending into Iraq and preach to one of the major cities, which is Nineveh. And he's just like, no, I don't want to do that. Like those people are not, mm-hmm. those people are awful. Like I hate those people. <laughs> and, and so he runs away and he gets on a ship um, to a very far away place called Tarshish. And, um, God obviously knows exactly where he is and he sends a storm and the crew, um, they, he confesses to the crew. Like, I think this is me. Like, I think this is the fact that I'm running away and the crew's like, all right. And they throw him overboard and he gets swallowed up by a a giant fish is what it says in, in, in scripture. Um, and he's in the belly of this fish for three days, an allegory for the three days that Jesus is in the tomb. Um, and he rises on the third day. Um, and so. He ends up spending time um, in the fish, uh, begging for mercy, um, and he spit up onto the shore, uh, miraculously survives, um, and then he ends up um, heading to Nineveh, giving warnings to the people, um, and very amazingly, everyone, uh, even the king, began heeding his warnings, and they started to repent, they started to fast, they started to improve their lives. Um, and so God gives them another, um, another chance. God had said he was going to destroy the city. Um, and so because all these people heard Jonah, um, and he finally responded to his call, all these people were preserved from the punishment that they were deserved. Um, and then, um, you know, we have the same, the famous story of Jonah finding refuge under this plant. And then, um, you know, the heat begin to ruin the leaves and a worm comes along and ruins it uh, and loses the shade and it upsets the prophet. Um, And he points out, like, look how much you care about this, like, stupid plant and yet you didn't care anything about, like, these people that I created and that I love Um, and that you're caring about this plant even though you did nothing to cultivate them or grow them or anything like that. Uh, And so it just kind of is this very colorful way of... um, um, associating kind of all those different ways we might hide. They're kind of encapsulated in the person of Jonah. And at the end of Jonah, that's kind of how Jonah ends, is he just like kind of gets like lectured by God from being kind of like stupid at still complaining about this plant. It's not like he has this big story of like, yeah, and then he was redeemed and he's this amazing prophet from that point forward. You know, there's not much after that. It kind of ends on like, Jonah's still like pretty imperfect, you know, and but at the same time, in acknowledging that imperfection, he still answered. Mm-hmm. He still went mm-hmm. and said, like, all right, God, I'm going to go do this. Um, I don't want to. I don't agree <laughs> that it's necessary. Um, and yet those people responded uh, so faithfully. Um, I found I came across this really cool um, novena to St. Jonah, um, where you look at um, certain scriptures in Jonah. Um, you read, like, a section of Jonah every day, and then you end with um, this um, verse in in verses in Matthew chapter 12. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, but if you're really, um, you feel maybe like there's a, something on your heart tugging at you for a special calling in your life, or maybe you feel like you're 
you've been giving something very difficult, like a very difficult responsibility, um, something you don't know how to do, something you don't know how to discern. Um, you don't need to wait for his feast day. That could be something that you just, you know, use as a, a nine day opportunity of discernment. Um, you know, if you want, not promising you'll get any answers. It's not like a catch all, just like we said, we don't look for that. Um, but if you need some intentional focused time of prayer to really pray through the story of Jonah and maybe see how your own story aligns with it, um, we'll put that in the show notes for you. So, um, oh, we didn't do our normal pitch at the beginning, but please give us money on Patreon and support our podcast. <laughs> um, you know, uh, this podcast does cost money to host on the website and to um, especially uh, different merchandise that we want to start um, printing and, and getting out to all of our Patreon supporters and we to all of you. Stuff. Yeah. So um, all your donations go exactly toward that toward uh, back into the podcast and to all the, the costs that it, it costs to host our website and the podcast and things like that and all the different equipment and stuff that we need. So, um, but if you uh, like this episode or any of our other episodes, we love hearing your feedback. We really want to hear your feedback and your suggestions for future episodes. We want this to be something that serves you and isn't just like, what do we want to talk about? We want it to be something that is beneficial to you, especially those of you who listen to every episode. So please uh, let us know um, in person, comment, screenshot on your social media, share it with other people, spread the word. Um, we really want this to just um, be something that God can use for as many people as possible. Amen. Yeah. So... I that think that's is all, it. friends. Yeah, we're praying for you guys. Ha, uh, we hope if you're listening to this during the season of Lent as it's coming out that you're yeah. having a blessed season of Lent. And um, yeah, until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Adios. Bye. Bye.